Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Pat Avendroth with Mike Grimes. And on today's episode, episode 140, we are going to learn about the Bible. Amazing that we're going to learn about the Bible, Mike. That's but an amazing we, thought, right? We <laughs> are going to think about the fact that Jesus said that Moses wrote about him. Hmm. We're going to talk about the Old Testament and how the Old Testament actually is about Jesus in certain ways, not in every way, but we're going to have a great time talking and we have a special guest with us. We do have a special guest with us today sitting right here in our posh Pactum studio. studio. And he he's set the record, I think, for, from furthest away. Easily, right? without any question. Over 8,000 8, miles he flew to be on today's episode. He did. Pactum listeners, you are so privileged. Oh, we can't say privileged. No, you are, you, you are so blessed. Yes. Right? Because... Vanit Sasane, Pastor Vanit Sasane, came from Pune, India to be on today's episode because he has some opinions about the Bible. Don't you, Vanit? Absolutely. That <laughs> <laughs> the Bible, not just the New Testament, but the Bible is a Christian book. And Vanit just got done lecturing, Did, didn't you, on this topic? Absolutely, where, yes. Where were you lecturing on the topic of Old Testament narratives and preaching Old Testament narratives and reading Old Testament narrative, narratives like Christians? Where did that happen? At the All India Pastors Conference in Mumbai. Okay. Awesome. Where 600 what? people had gathered. That's the first. 600. That's awesome. Yep. Very cool. Praising well, God. we don't want you to only speak to pastors today. We want you to speak to uh, all kinds of Christians, all kinds of people who want to read the Bible better. But we certainly love pastors on the Pactum. So hopefully you'll help pastors also. Um, let's dive right in. Maybe maybe just a comment or two about John chapter 5. Mm. Uh, how, how striking is John five forty six? For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote of me. How could that even? How could that even happen? How could it be that Moses would write of Jesus when Jesus was born so much later? Because uh, the spirit of Christ was in Moses. Okay, and, uh, good. I like this. And he even saw the sufferings of Christ as worthy. As the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 11. So it's because, um, yeah, we have different authors for every book in the Bible, but uh -huh. there is a divine author mm. and there is one plan of salvation that is moving forward. I'm of the opinion that in the past, perhaps we've, uh, in more recent days, we've, we've so emphasized the human authors, which is, I mean, it's good to emphasize human authors, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so many different authors, different times, different locations. But maybe we've fallen, fallen asleep at the wheel. At least that's what we say in America. Do you say that in India? You fall asleep at the wheel? Um, yeah, sometimes. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to say, you're not going to make it that far. Sometimes Christians have fallen asleep at the wheel. I don't know what you would say if you were in India. But we, we've just kind of forgotten. We've drifted off and been distracted. And we've forgotten that there is one divine author and so it it allows there to be overlap and themes uh, that are unified. It allows there to be one ultimate story, and it's exciting when you when you learn that because then we can do what our Christian forefathers and foremothers do we say For, that I, I don't you know those who've come before, <laughs> us, come before us they've yeah. said you know the Bible is uh, written by God ultimately, uh, and so it can have one storyline. Absolutely, um, yeah. I just want to. Um, uh, express my thanks to the Pactum podcast, actually, 
that uh, is such a blessing to me as i drive on the streets of india in my car we, wow and, you're you that's amazing that means vinit can multitask he can because Absolutely. i would never drive on the streets of india i would just ride with you yes that's true it's a ama- it's a it's an amazing thing yeah so Isn't most it? of my episodes are heard in the car okay. sometimes my kids are on the back seat hmm. and my daughter was uh, it was one of her desires that if i ever go to the pactim studio okay. that i would say a shout out to her so shout out to eliana <laughs> that's awesome how old is eliana right now eliana is going to be 11 on the 20th soon wow Pretty yep. exciting yeah i remember when she was just an infant yeah 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 and i think so i was making ba- homemade baby food from scratch in my house i had the burner going and cooking all kinds of chicken and different things garlic Wow. It smelled it smelled amazing in my house and she was making baby food. Oh man. You time that? flies. Yeah, 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 faintly. It's been a long time. I think that was the first time you saw snow. Yes, on yes, that on that trip. Yeah, first it was time. A, it was a spring snow. It was. It was, it was like yeah, it was a weird out of season thing. Packham listeners, uh we we have a lot of fun uh stories to tell, but one time when Vanit was in town, uh there was a snowstorm. This was in the winter time. and i tried to convince him because the lake by my house is frozen over and we were on fat bikes fat bicycles and i was trying to convince him to ride out on the ice snow covered ice but he wouldn't do it <laughs> until i proved to him that it could be done and then yeah. venit like a champion uh rode out on the ice so that's fun and quickly went back to the road as well <laughs> <laughs> well this is your second time on the pactum so uh welcome back Yeah, it's great to be here. But the last time we were doing it on Zoom probably. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Super. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for the ministry that the Lord has entrusted you with. Uh writing projects, maybe you could just tell us before we get into more Old Testament things. Uh you've been doing some writing projects lately in Marathi, translating things into Marathi. What kind of things? Yeah, we have a project where we are translating um the commentaries by JC Ryle in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Okay. Um we have Alistair Begg's uh, sermon on the mount called Manifesto. Okay. Um that project is going on and few other articles and uh, we have uh, the Heidelberg Catechism audio where we've explained the Heidelberg Catechism that's being uploaded on our website. We have a study on the book of Colossians uh, in Marathi. Hmm. And so the, there's a great need the Marathi speakers are the 17th largest country in the world if they were a country. Oh wow. Wow. So that many Marathi speakers. So. And you just translated the Nicene Creed for the first time ever in in I, history. Yes, I believe so because the Apostles Creed was translated but uh, the Nicene and the Chalcedonian are the first time ever wow. in 1900 years or 2000 years or whatever it is. Absolutely. Pretty amazing. I believe so, yeah. Very cool. Very yeah, cool. Amazing. So let's talk about Old Testament narratives and let's talk about how so well, let's talk about the wrong way to do Old Testament narratives. So how are they generally preached? How are they generally read? How are we trained to read Old Testament narratives uh in the wrong way? Yeah, um well, where I grew up, um they were used to moralize very quickly, just read and jump to application mm-hmm. and be inspired by Abraham be inspired by Moses and Daniel and just be like them but That's, not not Saul not Saul okay <laughs> <laughs> don't be like Saul but be like David yep right that kind of uh, stuff or but yep. don't be like David all the time yes yeah, because right? you right. might <laughs> you might be a bad boy <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, also, um, we used to hear people preach the Old Testament and they used to use a lot of liberty like david was wearing a white was wearing white clothes on the day he struck goliath and his hair was blonde and flowing and mm. he took those five stones <laughs> and, and he had his devotions that morning and really? yeah i mean just take liberty to add as we say in india masala add a lot of flavoring <laughs> <laughs> we like masala but yeah. maybe don't add masala to no. david's hairstyle right right <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't think that's as popular in, in America. But yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. But moralizing definitely is. Yes, yes. Oh. It's the same problem everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more easier just to take the text and jump to application and just uh, moralize things. Hmm. Um, we also almost lean towards hero worship. Um, Daniel was idolized um, to such an extent because there's hardly any fault found in him. Mm-hmm. But actually, Daniel 9, he prays that I was confessing my own sins and the sins of my people. So we forget. I mean, the preachers wouldn't touch on passages that's kind of, like that's a, that. We call that a sermon spoiler mm-hmm. when you point that out. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. So you know, Even with the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, you know, how, how many times do we present him as if he's like the fourth person of the Godhead right? yeah. Or, yeah. or something? And he calls himself... Chief, Not yeah. I was, but he says chief of sinners. Yeah. Yeah. Chief of sinners, wretched yeah. man that I am. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one reason. Uh, so one reason this happens is because we don't read the Old Testament narratives the way we're supposed to. Absolutely right. Yeah, because we have to do. We all want to do something with the Bible. Mm-hmm. So if I'm supposed to be an expositor, people say, "Oh, Pastor, I love the Old Testament." So I'm like, "Okay, I better teach the Old Testament." And if if I don't have it somehow be about Christ and the unfolding drama of redemption. I have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. And I I believe in inspiration and inerrancy. I guess I'm going to moralize. It's probably what I'm probably going to do. And I also grew up with uh, some of the preachers using the failures of kings Mm -hmm. um, and their disobedience and how, as a consequence, uh, the enemy attacked them and how things went bad for them. And the whole sermon would be about if you get into some of these sins, um, you know, terrible things are going to happen to you. Mm. And then they would give a call not to come and rest on Christ, but a call to, you know, just be broken and keep repenting and keep weeping and crying and trying to almost earn your uh, way to God and pacify mm. God with your tears. Mm. Um, kind of a revivalistic uh, movement. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we would just be frustrated and in fear and in fear of condemnation all the time. And that's how the Old Testament narratives were used or, or rather misused. We hardly heard of types or shadows or uh, any of those things pointing us to Christ. Sometimes we heard um, lectures that were just historical lectures where the preacher would go into so much detail about the topography of the land and where the enemy must have come mm-hmm. from and uh, how many soldiers there must have been and um, the direction from which they came or, you know, some of the historical things sure. like the city to almost like to show your knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, historical and geographical knowledge of the area. And then very less time to talk about actually what the text is and how we can point to Christ. And those things aren't bad. It's good to know geography and Absolutely. historical yeah. things. Huh. Okay. So... 
what do, what do we, how do we do this? So let's, let's have this be not just for pastors, but uh, if I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read, read the Bible, I'm going to read through the Bible, what am I doing? What am I looking for? Uh, how do I approach the Bible as a Christian? Are there some tips, some guidelines that you can help us with? Absolutely. I think um, it's very important to have uh, your foundations laid that um, the Bible is not so much of our story, but it's God's story. Hmm. And Old Testament narratives are his story given by him from his perspective. And what I mean is, uh, for example, Martin Lloyd-Jones says that uh, there are actually only two divisions in the Bible, um, not towards the center of your Bible, um, but uh, Genesis uh, 1 to 3, 14 is one division of the Bible. Okay. And actually the break for the Bible should fall there. And then Genesis three fifteen onwards, um, there should be, that's the second division of the Bible. Interesting. And, and he meant to say that 1 to 3.15 is man's own effort, mm-hmm. the offer given to Adam and he fails mm-hmm. and he's not able to earn that uh, eternal blessing that God had proposed or given or given him the opportunity for. And then the Bible is actually about God then uh, through the seed of the woman and uh, through Abraham and the promise given to Abraham and the promise that the nations would be blessed. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we need to look at the Bible from the seed perspective, from the promises that were given to Abraham and how God's unfolding purposes uh, went forward. And so I think that's really huge to understand. Sadly, um, I, was in, I wasn't in a great church. Nobody was there to guide me. And um, really, the Old Testament was um, mostly for good examples, bad examples, um, and something to learn about a little bit of who God is. But there was a huge disconnect in my mind and heart. But I'm so thankful for you and Chris, who's been on the show. And uh, you all gifted me a book by Graham Goldsworthy, which really just opened my eyes. It was like the top 10 moment in my life. So uh, is that the preaching Christ from all of Scripture or something absolutely. like that? Yes, absolutely. It just opened my mind, my eyes that there are so many things going on, that there are things being repeated, there are cycles in the Old Testament, um, and those point ultimately to the ultimate redemption that is in Christ, and that we can say God is actually shouting out loud (laughs) in many ways throughout the Old Testament that um, my son is coming, the redemption is coming. It makes so much sense. If the promise is there in chapter 3 after the fall, then we're, the seed we're looking, we're anticipating. Yeah. And it also makes sense when Jesus is the prophet, the priest, and the king. Oh, so all of the prophets, priests, and kings were anticipating. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so, so the offices of Christ would make sense. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it gets exciting when you start you putting s- the pieces together. You stole one of my points there. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're suffering from, from jet lag. I'm just irresponsible, and I stay up too late at night, and uh, so I'm tired. So sorry I wasn't following the script just right. <laughs> That's okay. It's great. It's great to hear it from you. <laughs> what else is going to help us on our – well, we don't say journey on the pactum. You know that. Yes, right. on our pilgrimage. Now, I do want – on our pilgrimage, listeners, I do want you to know that I did take a – 
picture. I think you say snap in mm-hmm. India. Yeah. I took a snap of Vanit laying, lying L- down, yes. whichever, down on the pactum sofa. The actual physical uh-huh. pactum I'm not going to leak it out yet because uh, hold it we'll, we'll, we'll wait a little while. But yeah. it, it looks, I don't know. It's what, what word should we use? Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Chill. Ravishing. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the right word, but anyway. <laughs> Continue to help us if we're yes. thinking, okay, uh, two divisions, pre-fall, post-fall. Yeah, we're absolutely. thinking about the offices of Christ, ultimately the ultimate prophet, prophet, priest, and king. How else can we read our Old Testaments better? How can we read Old Testament narrative better like Christians? Absolutely. What also helped me is um, that in eternity past, there was an agreement and a covenant of redemption between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, we we can, like that on know. the pactum. Oh, yeah. We like, the, we like the pactum on the pactum. <laughs> and so if the Father said that, I will, I will give you as a light unto the Gentiles and you know, ask of me the nations mm-hmm. as your inheritance and come and reign, sit with me and, and reign with me. And, and if Jesus says from eternity past that in this book it is written of me and I have come to do your will, mm-hmm. Oh, God. And of course, we know that the Spirit won't act contradictory um, to the Father and the Son and how happily and eagerly the Spirit um, came upon Jesus at his anointing, um, at uh, his baptism. And so when, when we look at this from eternal lenses, then how else is going to be, how else is going to uh, the Old Testament going to play out? Mm-hmm. How else is it, going? what trajectory it's going to catch? It's going to go on only one trajectory. It's going to go forward uh, in history, only one direction. And uh, that is uh, Christ, the mediator, the ultimate uh, mediator, and uh, let him have the preeminence. And it's no surprise then that Paul says, him we proclaim. You know, there are 10, 15, 20 things that he could talk about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We proclaim holiness, we proclaim love, we proclaim maturity, we proclaim hope. And all of those things are true, but he saw it with a singular focus. Um, it's all bound up in him. Mm-hmm. And when he is proclaimed, automatically those other things happen, um, the glory of the new covenant. So this is the only way the Bible was going to be played out so, in human history. So let me play um, the antagonist for a minute. And you talked about the, the, the pactum, the covenant of redemption, uh, mm-hmm. before the foundation of the world, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit intra-Trinitarian covenant. Um, But that sounds to me like you're taking theology and you're interpreting the Bible in light of theology uh, and not just interpreting the Bible. So that's somebody's going to say that. Somebody's going to oppose what you're saying and say, ah, that's a foul, Vanit. You shouldn't use theology to interpret the Bible. You should just interpret the Bible. What do you say to somebody who says something like that? Yeah, then we shouldn't preach marriage sermons from Genesis 2. What? Because the the word marriage or wedding isn't there. Okay. But we have a category and uh, we see marriage language. We see how Jesus talks about one flesh and that uh, he's talking in the context of uh, married life and divorce to the disciples. Mm-hmm. And so he goes back to Genesis 2. And so um, I think it's absolutely valid. That's the starting point. God is our starting point. Mm-hmm. Uh, without him, we we can't understand the rest of Scripture, especially without Christ at the center. 
mm-hmm. um, everything, uh, you know, it, it just falls apart into all different kinds mm-hmm. of interpretation. And we're and we actually are using the Bible, not just theology, to right. interpret the Bible, right? Because Absolutely. Ephesians one, you do have the intra-trinitarian covenant, even though it's not called mm-hmm. that. We have all all the components, if you will. Yes. And how crazy would it be to know that, but then read the Bible, read the Old Testament, and pretend like we don't know that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But that's kind of trending in the world, or trendy in some some oh in some realms of Christianity. Some yep. hermeneutics books, maybe a lot of hermeneutics books. Why? Yep. Do you th- why do you think? Mm, well, um, because of not looking at the meta narrative, the the huge, the overarching okay. narrative, and then getting lost in the the forest and sorry, amongst the trees, <laughs> right? And losing sight of the whole forest. And then we tend to get excited about some parts of that forest. Mm-hmm. And um, then we just keep, you know, hobby horsing or making that as the main thing. Uh-huh. Whereas when we um, go on a height and look down, we can see the Bible is actually about the three sons, Adam and um, Israel. And then out of Egypt, I brought forth my son in Matthew. I'm preaching Matthew, by the way. So It's in your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's in my mind. If you go higher up from the moon and you look, then you see that the Bible is about two Adams, the first Adam and the second Adam. Um, if you come a little lower down, we can see the Bible is about creation, fall, redemption, the promises being fulfilled, and ultimately consummation, um, the fullness yeah. that Christ yeah. will bring. I can hear the rain. Can you hear say, the rain? Yeah. We do not have a static problem here today. That's rain. It's the <laughs> rain. We like the rain sometimes. Me too. After the heat uh-huh. of these uh-huh. last two days. <laughs> it's monsoon, monsoon season in yes. India? Yes. It's monsoon and it's a great time to enjoy chai, masala chai. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think one reason why people don't want to read the Bible from a Christ-centered perspective in the Old Testament narrative is because of something you just mentioned. It's related to it because you said the Bible's about the, the three sons, S-O-N. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Adam as a son, Israel as a son, and mm-hmm. both are unfaithful. Uh, but Jesus is the faithful son. I think sometimes, uh, our, our, speaking of theological commitments, we're mm-hmm. so theologically committed to having the Bible be ultimately about Israel, the mm-hmm. second son, mm-hmm. that we don't want it to be about Jesus, the ultimate son. Absolutely. I think if we're really going to be honest, or if some would really be honest, I, I think I've, I would never have said that, but theologically, practically, interpretively, I think I was kind of functioning that way. Yes, absolutely. And also another reason could be, Pat, that um, um, we think that um, banging people or um, um, bashing them with um, you know heavy doses of uh, judgment, mm-hmm. um, of course, there's a place for you know, the judgment texts in the Mm -hmm. Old Testament, but somehow we think scaring people, bashing people, that's the way that they're going to change. But we forget that Paul says that um, they're going to change when they see the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and that is in the gospel. (laughs) And uh, yeah, God can use some, um, some sobering passages to create fear, but uh, mostly he he draws us to his son, the sufficiency and the fullness of his son. He makes us so grateful for the son and what he has done for us. And uh, we cannot help but um, just stop our um, uh, wrongdoings or going in the wrong track 
because our hearts just keep filling up with gratitude and i think that's the right way and so some people might uh, have a wrong understanding of how people get transformed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so they want to use these other ways and major on these other ways but rather paul says clearly in first corinthians 4 i think that uh, people are going to be transformed by looking at christ the glory of god in the face of jesus christ So talk about 2 Corinthians speaking of Corinthians 2 Corinthians you know 3 and 4 and uh, the veil um talk about what has happened and how that actually supernaturally helps us to see Christ the way we should Absolutely um the context is about Moses and uh, he going on the mountain and coming back and for a time being after seeing the the you he 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 didn't see the whole glory of god but just the the back um and that was so powerful that for many days the the glow you could say mm-hmm. was upon moses and a veil was put upon his face um but paul is saying how much more um when we look at the greater moses and uh, what he has done in the fullness of the new covenant um and all that it means and and all that it has brought for us how much more will it uh, transform us from glory to glory how much more uh, will it be impactful and powerful in our lives to make us grateful and it's the unbeliever who has the veil right? yeah. they don't see the glory of christ yeah. and the greatness of christ yes, so of course we don't want to pretend like we're unbelievers when we read the bible mm-hmm. we're not unbelievers the veil's gone oh yeah and we can actually see and cherish and be impressed with the greatness of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, in order to to have that effect, we need to preach Christ or we need to read the Bible with Christ front and center. Mm-hmm. And I think Calvin said that I I read the Bible till I see Christ. Um and that's what is satisfying, that's what is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And many preachers also in church history they 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 would say the same thing. I came across an interesting quote uh by A.W. Tozer. Do you all do Tozer here? He's, our, the he's, our, he's our favorite Arminian. Oh, he... <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to say that because it gets people's attention. They're like, he's an Arminian? Yeah, he is. But you know what? And we say on the Pactum, even a stop clock is right twice a day. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right? Right? So we're, we're, we're going to give him some an, allow, an okay. allowance. Okay. He says... Dro- drop some Tozer on us. Okay. I have suffered through many a dull and tedious sermon. Amen. But... but... <laughs> <laughs> I like it so far. <laughs> But no sermon is poor or long when the preacher is showing me the beauty of Jesus. That's good. I can get behind that. Yeah. Okay. That almost For makes sure. me want to believe that regeneration comes after faith like Tozer like Tozer. <laughs> oh man. Okay, then Spurgeon. <laughs> okay. There we go. <laughs> closer, closer to home, Spurgeon says, "I sometimes wonder that you do not get tired of my preaching." why you do not get tired of my preaching because i do nothing but hammer away on the one nail uh, with me uh, year after year uh, which is none but jesus none but jesus and so that could be the secret of the success of his ministry where, wherever he was in the bible ultimately uh, he wanted to get to jesus like all, i think he said something like just as all roads lead to london absolutely Oh, right? That's Something a longer like that. quote so I'm not reading that right. one but that's a great quote too. It is. <laughs> It is. So if I'm just going to sit down and start reading Old Testament narrative. Mm-hmm. So 
Uh, is it advisable that I maybe read more or read less to kind of help me along in seeing Christ in his glory? Yeah, I would say uh, personally, um, bigger chunks, like maybe five chapters, mm -hmm. you could hear it, you could hear the Bible slowly or, or, or fast, but you could hear it thoughtfully or read it thoughtfully. And um, that really helps. And then you zoom out a little and you just think about, okay, we do want to focus on what the, what's going on and what the, what the book is about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what is being said, what is happening in the narrative, what is, what's the plot line. But also we want to zoom out and see what is the redemption story? How is it progressing in my passage? For example, I think Nehemiah is pretty difficult, the building of the wall. Mm -hmm. And many people make it about um, leadership mm. and uh, how he was so effective at organizing mm -hmm. and building. Uh, but uh, we need to step back and ask ourselves, why was God amazingly allowing the wall to be finished mm -hmm. um, and protecting them? And why was a wall so significant at that moment for them in their history? And ultimately through the, the coming back of God's people, to Jerusalem mm -hmm. and uh, Israel coming back on track as a nation mm -hmm. who was ultimately coming. Um, the ultimate reason that wall was being built uh, is so that Israel might come back on track as a nation and through Israel, the Messiah would come um, as a savior for his people. So it, it inevitably, when you ask the question why and you zoom out a little, mm -hmm. You come to the highway of the Bible, the redemption highway of the Bible. I like it that you say it that way because sometimes I think when people hear us talking about Christ-centered or whatever label you want to use, we're getting at that matter. We're, we're not saying typically that in every single, you know, syllable of every single sure. word somehow, you know, there's the letter T is there, so that's a cross. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're, right. we're not doing that. And maybe... It, Maybe it really helps to say, okay, how does this whole book talk about or anticipate, look mm -hmm. forward to? And mm -hmm. then we can zoom in a little and say, well, actually, there's more. Or, yeah. or maybe there's not. Maybe, maybe a book of the Bible is about one thing that has to do with Christ. Well, that's enough. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I think of, I like it that you said that about Nehemiah. I think of the book of Esther. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Maybe there are lots of Christological themes in there, but in my mind, uh, one is enough. Uh, yeah. That somehow the the nation of Israel needed to be preserved and right. not annihilated, mm -hmm. and Esther was at the wrong place at the right time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that the Jews would not be annihilated and there can be a Messiah. Yeah. Have, you, have you preached through Esther? Uh, like maybe in one sermon, kind of thing. Wow, uh, I can't remember. Maybe in more detail, but that's interesting. So I'm sure there's more to it, mm -hmm. but but maybe not, and that's okay if it's if it's not. Yep. But if I only read one chapter, I might be trying to find things that maybe were, were not intended by the divine author. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So next up, let's talk about typology. Yep. How does typology help us? What is typology? Well, um, as the name suggests, it's a type. It's uh, something in shadow form um, which uh, needs its fulfillment in the New Testament in the coming of Christ. And... Um, the type serves um, only as a type, um, preparing us, uh, showing us uh, that the reality, the fullness uh, is coming, and which is the anti-type. 
And um, which sounds like it's something bad because you're against it, but that's not what we mean by antitype. Right? No, no, no. The so reality, yeah. the reality, right? So shadow and the substance is, yeah. is maybe helpful. And it's uh, it's amazing when when you start seeing. Now there's a debate that um, do we only see um, valid New Testament types, mm-hmm. and we stop there, or we can ask ourselves: Are there more? Uh, types in the Old Testament to be explored and considered, mm-hmm. which aren't uh, you know so clearly seen. For example, nowhere in the New Testament it, it says that Joseph Joseph was uh, a type mm-hmm. of Christ. But uh, it's it's almost unavoidable when we study his life, uh, the similarities of what he went through, and how it prepares us uh, for the ultimate rescuer mm-hmm. who was to come. Uh, he's put down in a well, and then he's pulled out. He's sold, just like Christ uh, was was sold. He's mistreated. He's falsely accused, and Christ was mistreated, falsely accused, and uh, he's uh, down in, in the dumps. And there's no hope that he will ever be raised up. And yet, by God's grace and faithfulness and goodness, uh, in his time, he's raised up and exalted as. Um, almost the second king of Egypt. And so I think there's, there's a valid way we can say that that uh, at least the way God was working in the Old Testament through these um, cyclical or circular themes of, mm-hmm. um, you know, things going really bad and then God granting deliverance and God preserving his whole family and the nation through him, this whole theme is repeated several times in the Old Testament, which prepares us mm-hmm. for Christ. So, yeah, it, it requires a little more work, typology, but um, it's it's pretty rewarding. Some some of them are super obvious, too, so obvious that maybe we've forgotten about them. Uh, I won't say falling asleep at the wheel because that didn't work last mm-hmm. time, but maybe we've forgotten even to think about the fact that, the, the you know, David the king, well, mm-hmm obviously Jesus is in the line of David. He's the son of David. But that means if he if he's a king, he's a Messiah because king means Messiah. Anointed yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. And so, oh, there are all these different Messiahs in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Anticipating the ultimate Messiah. Right. Yes. But the first time you say something like that, people look at you like, what? Mm-hmm. You believe in, oh, and Messiah means Christ. Mm-hmm. There are all these different Christs. Some of them were better than other Christs, mm-hmm. uh, but even the best Christ in the Old Testament, David, yeah. could, he could, couldn't be the one. Right. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing things like that, mm-hmm. it's like, you you know, my head, like, <laughs> this is so cool. And in some ways, it's so simple. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not that complicated. So it's complicated in one sense to, to figure out what the legitimate similarities are and type and antitype. But in other ways, the more you read the Bible and the more you read the Bible thinking about these basic things. Yeah, I, I, I preached through the book of Ruth, uh, Pat and Mike. And, um, uh, you know, organically, or we can say, you know, everybody connects it through the genealogy. Um, uh, Bo, uh, David was the great grandson, um, ultimately, of Boaz and, and Ruth. And then ultimately through David comes the Messiah. That's one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's the kinsman redeemer, and that is more of a thematic connection, the okay. the theme of redemption through a relative. Mm-hmm. Mm, but um, just when you look at the life of Boaz and his love for Ruth, um, his concern for her, 
and she's a, a woman of the Moabites and there's a curse upon her and she really doesn't belong uh, up to the 10th generation. And here's this man lovingly caring and providing for her and concerned and going um, an extra mile um, to uh, make sure that she has the the lineage. And maybe not directly, but it does make us wonder and think uh, of um, that kind of faithful love, that kind of relentless love. Um, ultimately, could it point us to Yahweh's uh, amazing, loyal love for his people and ultimately to, to Christ and his love for his bride who is who was under a curse, who was not welcome, uh, but uh, overflowing grace through the work of Christ uh, washes her and uh, makes her um, the very bride of Christ. Hmm. Vinny, we see a lot of uh, sin happening throughout the Old Testament, a lot of bad things happening. Uh, how do we handle those things when we're thinking and preaching through and reading through? Just the don't Testament? do them. Yeah. The point, Mike, is, haven't you been listening to this episode? When you see their sin, just tell everybody, don't do that. It's bad to sin. Wages of sin is death. Um, so do what's right. Stop doing what's wrong. Oh, never mind. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> Which reminds me, have you seen that um, that funny clip uh, of a lady um, visiting the psychiatrist and he just says, just stop it. Stop it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's at the bottom of new heart. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. super funny. Stop that's it. That's yeah. hilarious. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, we don't have the capacity to stop it. Stop it, yeah. So it, it talks about how honestly the Bible just shows the, the failure and even the greatest heroes have failure and sin. But I think as we read the, those passages, we need to look at um, sin and our weakness and uh, how there's we are we are under a curse and uh, there's oppression and bad things happening and this is not our best life now but um, we we kind of go to the heart level as to uh, maybe i'm not acting it out as bad as these people in the narrative of the old testament but when it comes to the heart we all fail and our hearts are impure and we are all needy and so I think Brian Chapel has a great section called Fallen Condition Focus where we see what the fall has brought to mm. our own hearts mm. and also to the world and the society around us. And it makes us want to look for the solution. And the Bible, uh, you know, doesn't hide the solution mm. from us. Mm. The Bible continues to point us almost every time uh, to the solution being in Jesus and his life mm -hmm. on our behalf, his death. His righteousness imputed to our account and union with him and being raised with him. And that's the solution. So uh, we shouldn't be scared of those. We mm -hmm. should read them and, and the spirit will convict us and we need to examine our hearts. But we need to look for the solution outside of us, uh, mm -hmm. which is in Christ Jesus. And so that's, uh, I think that, that's a great question. What fallen condition do I see as I'm reading the Bible? Uh, but also how is God redemptively solving that problem? Mm -hmm. And uh, he's uh, inevitably asking us to look outside of ourselves and, and look forward, look to Christ, look upward, look at the cross where redemption was granted. And sometimes the, the, the solution isn't immediate. Sometimes in the midst of all the oppression and the injustice and 
the disease and the diagnoses and all of those things uh, that we experience, the solution is kind of further away. Mm -hmm. And the solution is in the new heavens and the new earth. The solution is uh, in the, the fullness of the kingdom when Christ will reverse all of these effects of the fall forever. I was just reading where righteousness dwells. Amen. Is what Second Peter says. Hmm. Amen. So, looking forward to that, and we would never be there because we're not righteous. But in Christ, we can dwell where righteousness dwells. Amen. It will be fantastic. Can you think of resources that people might benefit from that they can read and try to understand how to do this? Read the Bible in a Christian way, even the Old Testament. What would you recommend? Yeah, um, I'd recommend uh, the Bible Project uh, videos that cover the books of the Bible, the book introductions on YouTube. I've heard of these, but I've never watched them. I haven't either. All right. So, yeah, whenever I want to refresh my mind about what the book is, mm -hmm. I, I have a look at those. And uh, if you have the ESV study Bible, the, the red one, mm -hmm. um, there's a section uh, on the back end called History of Salvation in the Old Testament. Okay. And you will be surprised that it... it almost covers all the Old Testament chapters and it shows you how Christ, I mean, how our minds are being prepared for Christ, how it alludes to Christ, how the promises of Christ are found here. And so that's a very helpful resource. I think sometimes we forget about how good the stuff in the back of some of, some of these study Bibles yeah. are. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, good absolutely. Tip. Really and good the, tip. the Reformation study Bible too is mm -hmm. a great resource. Mm-hmm. Vineet, how can people learn more maybe about you, your ministry, the ministry entrusted to you? Uh, how, how can they find you? You have a website, perhaps? Yes, uh, we have a website called uh, www.jeevantasha. Now, this is interesting. That's J-W-E-V-A-N-T-A-S-H-A.com. Uh, Jeevantasha, meaning living hope. Okay. Dot com. And you'll see more of information about me there. Okay. And they could also Google your name and some videos will come up. Sure. I know uh, this because I did it. Yep. <laughs> we'll make sure to link to that stuff in the show notes. Oh, there you go. Game. That makes Great. it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much for being Thank on. We appreciate you and appreciate the way the Lord is using you. Yeah, thanks. Well, it's great to be here. Thank well, you. We want to thank all of you for being a part of the Pactum Verse. You can find us online on Instagram and Twitter. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next week on The Pactum.